The number is one eight eight one one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots to get through today. Week that was is where we start, brother. Where are we going? Well, let's start with an interesting um, case that I was handling last week, and I wasn't handling it as a lawyer. I was actually asked to be a mediator. So you know how we always talk about most of these cases end up at a mediation, Mm -hmm. whether it's long-term disability, personal injury, employment, they end up in a mediation. So the sides hire a third party, a Mm -hmm. neutral person, somebody usually with experience in that area of law. Uh, and that person helps them mediate, i.e. resolve the case between the insurance company, in my case, and uh, the plaintiff, the person who's making a claim. Well, I acted as the mediator. And so in one room, I had the plaintiff, the person who was injured with their lawyer. In the other room, I had an insurance company adjuster with the defense lawyer. And I I have to say, both of them did an excellent job, the lawyers. Uh, The case was resolved. and, And you know, it reaffirmed for me Again, looking at it not as a lawyer representing injured people or a lawyer representing insurance companies, just as a third party, a neutral party looking at the process, it referred to me uh, referred to me that insurance companies are not in the business of fighting claims. Mm-hmm. They do it because they have to. It's a system that we have. When someone is denied long-term disability, cut off long-term disability, or we're injured, and then starts a claim for compensation that we're going to talk about later yep. in inst- you know, various instances. Insurance companies come to the table and their job is to minimize how much they're going to have to pay to the individual, right. but they're still going to pay, okay? And you know, three things really became clear to me as I was talking with the parties here, especially with the insurance company, because I'm hearing their side, right? What they think about the case, what they think about the other lawyer and the plaintiff. So three things, uh, specifically uh, in terms of common errors that we see, which that lawyer, by the way, uh, that I was dealing with. The insurance rep- company lawyer. No, the, the lawyer that was representing the plaintiff. Okay. Uh, these are errors he did not do. So he actually acted really well. Uh, but these are three errors that I usually see and that the insurance company adjuster reaffirmed to me that you want to really you know, avoid. Uh, number one, not providing the insurance company with updated medical documentation, right? And you, remember, I talk about this quite a lot. Yep. When I'm representing somebody because of a long-term disability dispute or an injury claim and we go to mediation to try and resolve the case, I want to give the insurance company the most up-to-date medical records and reports so that they know the status of my client, yeah. you know, as as you know, uh, recently as possible. recently as a week yeah. ago, right? If that's possible, when lawyers don't do that, right? And individuals being represented by certain lawyers, they don't necessarily know if the lawyers have gotten those updated and recent reports. But when the lawyers who represent injured people don't do that, they're doing a disadvantage to the case and to their clients because insurance companies are simply unable to assess the current valuation of the case. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I see this quite a lot. And again, this did not happen here, which, you know, it's fantastic for the plaintiff. I see this quite a lot uh, when the other lawyer uh, is not properly uh, preparing their clients. And by the way, because of the show and because people are listening uh, and people who have their own cases with their own lawyers, many times I get phone calls from those people who are being represented by other lawyers telling me, Sivan, I have no idea what's going on my, with my case. I have a mediation coming up. I have a pretrial coming up or a mediation took place already yeah. and I have no idea how the case resolved. And you know, I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking to myself, well, what do you mean you don't know how the case resolved? Presumably you were at the mediation. 
you were there with your lawyer. Your lawyer ought to have explained to you the process, what to expect. So, you know, client preparation before each step in the proceeding is paramount, not only because you want to make sure that the client is fully aware and can give you instructions as a lawyer, but also because you want to decrease the level of anxiety that these individuals yeah. undergo. And, you know, ev- in every mediation, in every stage of the proceeding, whenever the client has to be involved, you could just see it on their face. They are terrified. The majority of people out there are not interested in these legal claims. They simply pursue them because these are, you know, they're entitled to compensation. Yep. The third mistake uh, that I often see lawyers make, and by the way, that's on both the plaintiff and the defense sides, is uh, not, you know, assessing the case correctly, thereby uh, not controlling uh, the expectations of their clients. And so they themselves oftentimes don't take reason a reasonable approach in trying to resolve the claim. You know, one of the reasons why we have such a high success rate at the firm in dealing with insurance companies is because we understand how the law operates. We understand the confines of the law. I'm not going to tell my client, look, you're going to get a check for a million dollars if at the end of the day I think that the case value is a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars, right? But if I haven't prepared my client for that, then, you know, out of the blue, the client gets to the mediation thinking they're going to be able to retire off of whatever they get, and that's not realistic. On the other hand, on the other hand, I want my clients to understand that, you know, they have a significant claim and not to expect a check for $10,000, but rather for $300,000. So communication is absolutely paramount between the lawyers and the individual. So this is interesting because usually when I talk about cases, and we'll talk about a few here, I talk about cases that I am handling or my team members are handling at the firm. Here is a situation where last week I actually helped resolve a case between an insurance company who, by the way, said that they would not pay a dime, right? They took the position yeah. that the, the plaintiff is not, doesn't deserve anything. And they ended up cutting a check, okay, at the end when the mediation was over with. Again, reaffirming what I've been saying, which is that insurance companies are there to control their costs, but they're not interested in prolonged um, litigation and legal matters. one 990 is the number. You can also check out the Injury Calculator. Find out what your pain and suffering could be, injurycalculator.ca. And for emails as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. If you haven't used it yet, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering should be. We'll get to more of that here in just a bit. As we uh, chop our way through some cases that have come across your desk you've been working on recently, Savannah, what, uh, what do you got going on? What's our next one? Well, here's an interesting situation. This, is, uh, this was an email we received uh, from um, a husband uh, who was contacting us on behalf of his wife. So he's very concerned. And here's what he writes. says, my wife has been on shortened disability from her job since April for job-related stress, anxiety, and depression. Uh, she has recently uh, been denied long-term disability. They claim, i.e. the insurance company, claims that her mental health issues are not enough and are not job-related since her old manager is now gone. They say she should now be able to go back to work even though her doctor and therapist do not agree with this decision. What can we do? And, you know, I get this a lot. Uh, Family members contact me on behalf of other family Mm -hmm. members who are struggling with LTD claims. And, you know, here's what we need to understand about this case. First of all, a lot of people end up going uh, on stress leave as a result of job-related issues, okay? That's very common. The employment lawyers at my firm deal with that a lot. Lior deals with that a lot. You know, but what happens when 
the context and what's been happening at work is so severe that now the person has developed symptoms, things that are really outside of, of work. In other words, they're no longer at work or you can put them in a different work environment, but because of what they've developed psychologically, whether it's PTSD or depression or whatever the constellation of symptoms are, they are now unable to work and they have uh, medical support from their family doctor, in this case from a therapist, maybe a psychiatrist or psychologist, but the insurance company in their wisdom seems to think, oh no, you should be able to go back to work. In this case, your manager is gone. Oh yeah, well that resolves everything. You should be able to go back. No, it's not that simple. That's not the end of the analysis. It's not even the beginning of the analysis. What I look at when somebody comes to me is I, I, first of all, we want to make sure that person has access to long-term disability coverage. In this case, clearly she does because she was denied, Mm -hmm. not on the basis of not having coverage, but on the basis of you don't qualify. Well, what do you need to qualify? Well, under most LTD policies, the qualification criteria is that you need to be, quote unquote, totally disabled from working. Totally disabled doesn't mean that you are paralyzed and in bed 24 hours a right. day. Totally disabled, depending on the wording of the policy, generally means that you can't do substantial portions of your job or you can't earn, let's say, 60% of your income because you are disabled for whatever reason, from a physical standpoint or from a psychological mm-hmm. or a combination uh, of the two. And so, when somebody comes to me, I say, well, do you have medical support? What is your family doctor saying? What are specialists or therapists saying? And if the person's telling me, look, they are all saying that I cannot work at this point in time, and they've written the insurance companies, and I'm not talking about written you know, a, a one-liner on, on a notepad. I'm talking about have done a report. Let's say it's a half a page, a page, five pages, whatever, explaining medically why this person is unable to work. If you have those documents... And you're coming to me and then you're telling me that the insurance company simply refused to grant you LTD. I'm telling you, you have a case, okay? That's my starting point. I'm going to want to see the denial letter from the insurance company so I can evaluate their legal position. But I can tell you that in most instances, people know when they're able or unable to work. And doctors know when their patients are able or unable to work. Because doctors, at the end of the day, especially the ones, you know, family doctors, specialists, they have, generally speaking, the patient's interest at heart. I have seen many cases where a person tells me, listen, I don't know, I don't think I can go to work, but you know, my doctor thinks I should try. So, you know, I tell them, listen, it has to do with what you and your doctor decide is best for you. But, you know, doctors are not necessarily in the habit of telling someone to stay at home in bed if they think the person should try to go back to work. So anyways, in this case right now, I can definitely help these people. There's not a question in my mind that I can help them because this lady has medical support that says that she's disabled from working at this point in time. There is no reason why the LTD insurer denied her this claim and we're going to force them to the table. It's going to result in a legal claim. Within a few months, we're going to end up in a mediation and the insurance company is going to write a check. They're just trying. They're of course just, they're, they're just trying. They're just, it's a gamble for them, right? Well, 100% because most people, most people who are told, no, we're not going to pay you by the insurance company, simply walk away. They, they just, they assume that there is nothing they can do. And they assume that every lawyer out there who tells them they have a case, that every lawyer is looking out for their own interest. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in helping anyone, which you know what? There are a lot of lawyers out there that are doing that. But there's a reason why we're doing this show, right? I don't get paid for this show. I don't get paid for any of the information that I give out. Oftentimes, people contact me, and I'm in contact with them for months, if not years, and they don't understand why it is that I'm helping them without charging a single cent, right? Now, 
we have to make a living. Obviously, if we start a legal claim mm-hmm. for you, you know, w- w- there is a charge, it's but, all part of it, but you're not paying anything up front. It's right. always you know, a percentage of whatever we recover for you. So really, there's no risk. If I'm telling you you have a case, you have a case. So very important to understand, if you or someone you know is fighting with an LTD insurer, don't let that person simply walk away from the table. Don't let the insurance company hold a bag full of money mm-hmm. that your loved one is entitled to under the law. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's the point. And that's what many people challenging me on, only to find out later when they've actually pursued that claim, oh my God, I didn't realize that you were correct. Well, yeah, because I'm not just telling you to do it just for the sake of doing it. So very, very important. Understand that you have rights. Those rights can be enforced against the insurance company. It's really not as difficult as you think. Uh, and insurance companies, again, remember, they are not in the business of fighting these claims. one 990 is the number. You have questions, you go to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, mydisabilityquestions.com as well. Lots more coming up on the show. Stay tuned. The Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM 640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Check out injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering should be. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. And your emails as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. What do we got next? Okay, so we have a question that was posted to one of our websites, free websites, uh, www.mydisabilityquestions.com where many people post questions and receive answers directly from me about their LTD claims. So here's a question from this person from Mississauga. Uh, the person says, uh, I was being harassed by my employer. Uh, I went to the family doctor because of enormous stress that I was feeling. My family doctor supported, uh, supported my diagnosed illness of mental stress, anxiety, and depression. However, my short-term disability claim was denied, and as a consequence, any long-term disability prospects as well. Uh, and by the way, subsequently, he says, I was dismissed from uh, my job. Uh, what can I do vis-a-vis my disability claims in, in brackets or as an asterisk? More than one, yeah. So there's a few things. Let's unpack this question. Number one, again, we're seeing a situation where a disability claim arises from the psychological issues developed as a result of a, a poisonous work uh, environment. So first of all, the last sentence here that he was dismissed from uh, work, clearly we can help with that. The employment lawyers at my firm can help with that. With respect to the shortened disability claim, Many people get denied shortened disability, and, and oftentimes shortened disability and long-term disability are being paid out or should be paid out by the same insurance company. So let's say we have insurance company X. Okay, So first you apply for short-term disability. You get denied. Let's say that denial is wrong because clearly here this person has medical support. Okay, So that person should not have been denied STD, right. shortened disability. But then the question the person has is, well, if I was denied short-term disability, should I even b- bother applying for long-term right. disability? Right? What's the point if I was denied the short-term? And my advice is this. There are two ways to go about this. Number one, you can apply for LTD and see what happens on that front. But if it's the same insurance company, well, then likely the situation yeah. is that you're probably going to be uh, you know, denied again. De- denied, denied again, exactly. Uh, so what I usually tell people is if you have medical proof and you were denied STD and your STD and LTD are with the same company, let us start a legal claim against that insurance company for both claims. Okay, let's resolve them at the same time. And again, I'm telling you, if you have the medical proof that you are disabled and we show that your disability is separate and apart than your workplace, meaning that perhaps it arose from there, but now it's separate. It doesn't matter if they, if they you know, plant you in, in a different office. The point is that now you're unable to function at work. Well, then you're going to have a claim. That said, 
If your STD, the short-term disability, is either with your employer, i.e. the employer is paying you, or insurance company X, but your LTD is with a different insurance company, so insurance company Y, well, by being denied short-term disability, we can't start a claim for LTD against company Y, right? They're not the ones denying you who have denied you the claim, right? So if you were denied short-term disability with company X, but you have LTD coverage with company Y, right. you should immediately apply for LTD with company on Y. On your own. On your own, gotcha. exactly. Yeah. Again, any questions people have about LTD or STD or anything like that of this nature, go to mydisabilityquestions.com or call me directly. But on this website, you can you know, write your question and you'll get an answer from me with literally a few minutes, uh, within a few minutes, and it's free. I mean, you got nothing to lose. one 9646 is the number. Give me some details about the injury calculator. I haven't talked about this for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic website. Again, it's been used quite a lot. We've rolled it out a few years ago. And what it does is it allows you um, just literally within 20 or 30 seconds of going through it to get an idea of how much um, your pain and suffering is. Uh, value is for an injury that you've suffered through no fault of your own. So imagine if you're in a car accident or you slipped and fell and broke your ankle, something happened, you got injured because of somebody else's fault in Ontario, anywhere in Ontario. Uh, And you want to know, well, does it even make sense for me to pursue compensation? I got two years from the date of the accident, subject to certain exceptions, and I want to make sure that it's worthwhile. You know, I'm not going to start a claim if after three years, I'm only going to be left with five grand, you know? So you go to this website injurycalculator.ca, you input a few key uh, key pieces of information. Where did the accident happen? When did it happen? How old are you? What kind of injury did you suffer? The extent of the injury? For example, you have a fracture. Did you have surgery? Do you have chronic pain? These are all click menus, by the way, right? I mean, you're just clicking, you know, your age, you're clicking. It's very simple. And literally within 20, 25, 30 seconds, what happens is the calculator scans through a database of cases Mm -hmm. that we've put in there from across Canada where other people have gone to court with similar injuries. And the calculator will tell you, based on our review of Canadian case law, here is what you can expect to get for your pain and suffering for your injury. So remember, that's only for pain and suffering, right? If you broke your ankle and now can't do your job as a mechanic and you're suffering uh, a loss of income, you can't work. Well, that's something that I'm going to have to deal with you directly. I can't, that can't be calculated just simply through the program. But if you just want to have a starting point, instead of calling a lawyer, instead of calling me or anyone else, and you want to know what's the value of my pain and suffering claim, go to this calculator. And at the end, you can click, you know, submit consultation if you want to talk to me directly about your case. If you don't, I won't even know that you were there on the exactly. website. Injurycalculator.ca is the website. The number is one 9646 More of your emails, information, and show coming up here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. It is injurycalculator.ca to find out what your pain and suffering could be. Any other questions outside the show when we're not on air, it's mydisabilityquestions.com. Uh, Don writes in, he went to the email address, which is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Don says, I've uh, had an LTD claim for over a year, and now my employer is letting me go, and my insurance adjuster says that I will be cut off. One, two punch. How can I uh, How can I deal with both insurance company and employer? I'll be left with no money coming in. Okay, so that's something that does happen, and uh, we, we, um, 
we deal with this uh, on multiple fronts. So there is obviously an insurance claim here, an employment uh, claim here. And by the way, this is something that I always emphasize, that we have both LTD lawyers, disability lawyers at the firm, like myself, and we have employment lawyers. And, And both lawyers, sets of lawyers, work together to maximize the compensation the individual is entitled to. So um, Don says that he's been on LTD for over a year and now he's being let go. Well, by virtue of being let go, that opens up a can of worms from an employment standpoint for the employer. Because as you know from Lior's show, the employment hour, letting someone go who's on disability may be a breach of human rights. So, you know, this person is not only going to be entitled to potential human rights damages, but also to severance. And the insurance company paying the LTD may say, listen, if you're getting severance, we should get a credit for that, except that in this case here, the insurance company is about to cut them off as well. So really, really important to act very fast on, because what I would do is I would ask you for the most recent medical reports uh, from your doctors that support your disability, and I will engage the insurance company directly, immediately, literally within days, and try and dissuade them from cutting you off. If they don't, we'll start a claim immediately against them. At the same time, one of our employment lawyers is going to be dealing with the employment matter as against the employer, making sure that any severance that the person is entitled to, that Don is entitled to, that Don gets ASAP. So one of the things that people you know, are often very, very concerned about, understandably so, is, well, what am I going to do? I have no income. So you know, we got to think outside the box. Well, for example, Don, have you applied for CPP disability, as an example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you have sufficient medical support and you meet the criteria for CPP disability, that you have a severe and prolonged disability, you could potentially end up getting that amount monthly separate and apart from what you're going to be entitled to from the insurance company and from your employer. So we have to move on these things very, very fast. And, you know, John, oftentimes when people come to us, they come to us months and months after they've been cut off LTD, months and months after they've been let go, you know, and that's when the stress builds because the bills, you know, just pile up. Uh, the mortgage uh, is, is being defaulted. And so we can help Don on both fronts. After the show, let's get in touch with each other. I'll put you in touch with the employment lawyers at my firm, and then we'll help you with a disability claim. Is it true with the insurance companies claiming that if you are getting severance, they can claim part of that? Yes, uh, they can. But again, there's a caveat to that. So let's say, for example, and we've used this example before, let's say that you've been let go from the insurance company and you've, uh, sorry, from the employer and you received $10,000 in severance. Insurance company turns around and says, oh, that's nice. You know, you got that ten grand. Well, we're going to claim that as a credit because remember, LTD is income replacement. Right. Right. If you are getting income, which is severance yep. essentially from the employer, well, then that's something the insurance company can get a credit for yeah, under the policy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But we've talked about this before. Someone who is let go while they're on disability, there are potential human rights violations. And the reason why that's important is because maybe Dawn, in, in our case, in the email he sent, maybe instead of getting $10,000 for severance that the insurance company is going to claim a, a credit for, instead of that, maybe it's $5,000 for severance and $5,000 for breach of human rights. Well, guess what? The insurance company cannot get a credit uh-huh. for the breach of human rights damages. So now we've lessened the amount that the insurance company can claim as a credit. And that's all legitimate. It's not as though we've just mis- you know, mischaracterized the, the uh, negotiated amount with the employer. It's actually legit. So really, really important that when you have an LTD claim, especially when you have complications with the employer and concerns with the employer, either you've been let go, you're concerned about getting let go, that you go to a firm like ours, for example, where you have 
disability lawyers and employment lawyers literally uh, with their offices next to each other so they can actually communicate about the claim. And that happens so frequently in our in our uh, office. I can't tell you. I mean, every day, not a day goes by uh, w- without the employment lawyers and disability lawyers literally strategizing and talking to each other about joint claims that they have. Because again, remember, let's say you get two separate lawyers from two separate firms, disability and employment. What you risk is you risk one lawyer not talking to the other making a move, a legal move, on one end that could impact the right. other side of the claim. You can do that, but would you not want the left take hand more to time. talk to? More time, yeah. and there are more chances for errors. Yeah. More chance for errors. So anyways, it's just something that uh, I, I really think is, is neat about the practice that we have. There are not a lot of firms out there that really you know, specialize or deal with as a focus on employment and disability together. one 9646 to get your claim started or at least call and get some information. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. And if you want to find out what your pain and suffering component could be of your claim, injurycalculator.ca as well. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show straight ahead. Talk Radio, AM 640. one 9646 the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. You know, another question comes up about car accidents all the time, especially in the next uh, five or six months. That'll rear its ugly head for sure as winter. <laughs> Is going to be here eventually. So if a person is injured in a car accident and has access to LTD insurance, should they apply for it? Yeah, the short answer is yes. Remember that with car accidents in Ontario, particularly when the car accident was caused by someone else. Someone else? Yeah, so let's say I'm in an accident, I'm injured, the injury is bad enough for me to be unable to go back to work for the foreseeable future. What do I do? How do I get income in? What kind of claims do I have? Well, there's a few things to keep in mind. Number one, uh, as a driver, as a passenger, whatever it is, I have access to no-fault insurance, okay? So uh, the first payor uh, for income replacement is going to be the accident benefits insurer. So if I'm driving and I got hit from behind or sideswiped and now I can't work, I go to my insurance company, okay? That's why it's called no-fault insurance. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if I'm at fault or not. My company, and they pay me income replacement benefits, uh, the standard is 400 bucks a week or up to 400 bucks a week unless, unless you, pay more, unless you right. pay more and you have optional benefits, right? You can always increase the type of insurance you have so that you get more if you're injured. Uh, but remember, because someone was responsible for my accident, I have a claim potentially against them and a their insurance, claim. a tort claim against yep. their insurance company. So now I have the other, the at-fault driver's insurance company uh, that I'm starting a legal claim against or against the driver, but the insurance company is responding mm-hmm. to the claim. And I'm telling them, listen, I want you to compensate me uh, for income losses in the future. Well, what happens if I also have access to collateral benefits, like, for example, long-term disability or short-term disability? Yes, absolutely, I'm going to apply for those. And, and here's, here's sort of the bad and the good about all of this. Our system, our insurance system is very complex. I don't know. I, 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 from talking to tax lawyers, I think sometimes that it's even more complicated than the tax laws that we have <laughs> in this country. It's just a mess. So you need to have a lawyer or a team of lawyers that really understand how to navigate the system, the insurance system, because now you're going to be dealing with potentially three, maybe four or five insurance companies. Each insurance company says, hold on, that insurance company is going to pay first, not me. Nope. They're saying the other insurance company is going to pay first. And then after they try and figure out which one of them pays first and which one pays last, they have to figure out, well, how much is each side going to contribute? And we see this a lot. And of course, it frustrates individuals, people who are dealing with these kinds of issues. 
So what I tell people is, my clients, apply for everything. And by the way, it's not just car accidents. Uh, there's a lady that we're helping in the office who suffered a fractured foot uh, as a result of a slip and fall on ice. No question that she's going to get compensation from the owners of the area that failed to maintain the area. They didn't salt the area. That's why she uh, slipped and fell. But she's a factory worker and she's unable to go back to work at this point. Uh, so she's applied for LTD. And the early indications are that the LTD insurer is most likely going to reject her claim. So there you go. We're going to have a claim now yep. against the LTD insurer. Again, very, very important people to apply for as much as they can so that they start getting some kind of an income stream in. And we can help people do that. I mean, that's not a big deal. Very, very important. And then very important to understand strategically how to try and resolve these claims with all of these insurance company with all of these pockets around the table so as to maximize the settlement amount for the injured individual and their family. one 990 The number email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca as we get into a couple minutes left in this segment. I'll get to an email from Blake. says, uh, my father's 54 and was in a serious accident last year. He lost his job right after and applied for long-term disability, but the insurer denied, saying he was no longer employed. Does that mean he doesn't qualify for the LTD? Blake, that's a, that's a complicated question. Yeah. So let me try and, and break it down. First of all, just to uh, draw on what we've discussed before, your father was in a serious accident. I'm assuming it was a car accident, uh, wasn't able to work, clearly, uh, and then was fired. So right. other than the employment issues, again, see how they... Uh, how the employment overlap, aspect of right? this, it always overlaps, exactly. We can deal with the employment side. Our lawyers can deal with that. Um, what do you do with a long-term disability insurer who says, well, hold on, you're applying now that you're no longer working. Well, guess what? Once you're fired, your benefits are seized. In the majority of policies that I have seen, LTD policies, the qualification is that uh, you ought to have uh, become disabled when you still had coverage. So think about it this way. At the time that uh, Blake's father was injured in the accident, when the disability arose, he's still in the gig. He's still, in the gig. He's still yeah. employed, which means he still has coverage. I need to see the wording of the policy. Right. Remember, LTD policies are contracts between individuals and insurance companies. So it's very, very important for me to see that policy, evaluate the wording. And if it's like most policies that I see, Blake's father should be able to qualify. In some instances, I've seen situations where, you know, it's not when the disability arose, but it's when you've applied. In other words, if you've applied after coverage was terminated, well, then that becomes a problem. But guess what? In that situation, the employer may end up being on the hook. Why? Well, because they did something illegal by firing this person when they were in disability, cutting off their insurance, uh -huh. thereby causing this problem now that the person has no LTD coverage. So again, you see how everything, all these things overlap. It's so important to get legal advice about these kinds of issues as soon as the person becomes disabled or as soon as you get injured in a serious accident. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't gone there, injurycalculator.ca to check out what your pain and suffering component of your claim could be. And the phone number anytime, one 990 We'll get into the last few minutes here of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is mydisabilityquestions.com to ask a question after the show is over. Sylvan answers those uh, himself. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email as well. People on LTD, how do they avoid or minimize dealing with adjusters? Because you've talked about, hey, some are great, some are eh. eh. 
Not so great. Yeah, the, the easiest way to avoid dealing with difficult adjusters is to just call me and let me deal with them. Remember, difficult adjusters, uh, you know, for the most part, and again, I, I come down really hard on insurance companies, but again, remember, I used to work for insurance mm-hmm. companies. I still have a lot of friends who are insurance adjusters as well as defense lawyers. Generally speaking, they're not bad people, okay? And by the way, that's on both sides of the aisle, all right? The mix is, you know, you can spread the love, so to speak, in terms of criticizing you plaintiff bet. lawyers as well as defense lawyers, adjusters, etc. But there are people inherently who have difficult personalities or for whatever reason, the adjusters just has it in for you and you don't know what to do and you're disabled and you're dealing with your disability and it stresses the hell out of you every time you have to pick up the phone or answer that oh, yeah. email or get that letter. You know, your levels of anxiety shoot up about 100 notches and you can't eat after, you can't sleep, you're popping in pills. I understand that. I get that. I, I really, really do. That's why when I was doing defense work, you know, I was never, you know, I, I can't use bad words here. I, I was never, you know, ultra difficult with yeah. a plaintiff. I, I may say to them, listen, I just don't believe what you're telling me. Or I may, you know, perhaps be difficult with a plaintiff lawyer because you were being unreasonable. But I, I, I never took it personally myself. So I take issue when people call me and they're telling me how these adjusters appear to be taking it personally. These adjusters are making their lives hell. I don't think that's right. My advice to them is, as soon as you hire me and my team to deal with these adjusters, those adjusters are not allowed to talk to you anymore. So everything has to come through us. So now you have that shield. You literally have that wall, okay? It's a huge wall, okay, between the insurance company and you. And they can't get through it, and they know, and it's a legal wall. You let us do the talking. You focus on getting better. And, And frankly, that's how it should be, I think. Whenever you get into a position, into a situation when the adjuster is just making your life miserable and you feel like you're regressing instead of getting better. Get to an email from Danielle, says my friend was cut off LTD last year and appealed it twice. Denied. Big shock. Uh, Should she start a legal claim? She's asking, uh, what's the point if she's already been denied twice? Well, Danielle, first of all, thank you for reaching out to us on behalf of your friend. Again, for people out there, if you have friends, it's not just you, if you have friends or family members struggling with insurance companies, you contact us, okay, if they're unwilling. So, Danielle, to answer your question, appeals are very, very different than legal claims. Legal claims means that we're taking it out of the hands of the insurance right. company now. We are literally starting a legal process, and the insurance company understands that under the law, they're going to have to fight in order to avoid paying. With an appeal directly to the insurance company, it's always in the adjuster's hands. And when you're appealing a denial or a cutoff, all you're doing is sending the exact same information or documentation or maybe some updated stuff to the same people, the same group of people who actually denied your claim in the first place. So what is the point? That's why most appeals, not all appeals, but most appeals fail. Uh, I call them detours. Uh, You know, like in a situation like this with Daniel's friend who, uh, you know, after getting denied twice is probably feeling hopeless, feeling like there's no way she could ever get a cent from the insurance company. That's not the case. Danielle, if your friend has medical backup, if her doctors are saying that she's unable to work, put her in touch with us. I promise you, through the legal process, the result will be different. I can never guarantee a result. What I can tell you is that the, the main difference between an appeal and a legal claim is a legal claim means that you have, figuratively speaking, put a gun, a legal gun to the insurance company's head. They can't escape it. 
like they can do when they deny an appeal. You've talked about loss of income during personal injury claims. What is it, loss of competitive advantage? How does that work? So that's important. That's in the context of personal injury. If you've right. slipped and fell or if you had a car accident, you know, maybe you know, you're able to go back to work, but you can't put in as many hours, or maybe, you know, you're working with accommodation at your employers. Well, think about it this way. Uh, Let's say that you are now working with accommodation. So you're making the same money as you did before the accident. But if, God forbid, you lost your job now, do you think that you would be as competitive in the industry as other applicants, right? Especially in today's world, when, you know, for every position you got, I don't know, how many applicants applying. So, you know, you're coming to, to, you know, the interview with a cane. Do you really think that you're going to have a better shot at getting that job, particularly if it's a physical type job uh, or semi-physical, as someone who doesn't have a cane? Well, so what the law says is we recognize that you have now suffered a loss of competitiveness. And there are different ways of calculating what that's worth. A lot of lawyers, unfortunately, especially when I was doing defense work, I could see that a lot of lawyers on the plaintiff side would not really be making that claim, would not build up that right. claim. They'd simply assume that, you know, their clients are now making the same money they did before the accident. So now everything is okay, which means that, you know, they don't have any pecuniary type claim with respect to income loss, meaning that, you know, you can't really attribute any money to a loss of income, but it's not a loss of income claim. It's a loss of being less competitive. You now don't have that edge that you did you had before, and that's very important to address and to seek compensation for. We'll uh, take it from there. Some information, some numbers you need to get down. That is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That's the number to call Savan anytime. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Uh, my dot If you have questions you haven't asked, go to that website drop down menu. Chances are it's been asked before and answered. If not, he'll get to it right away. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And uh, once again, if you haven't checked it out, what your uh, short-term disability, or pardon me, what your uh, pain and suffering could be with your claim, injurycalculator.ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.